0: Have you ever Have been blasted s- by. Oh,
1: I was about, <laughs> I about to ask you the same by- question. <laughs> <laughs> I quit. I don't want to wrestle anymore. You win, Triple H. I don't want to do this. I quit. Are you happy, dude? Are you happy? I. Al- what if my tongue. I almost bit my tongue. Fuck you.
0: Hello. Everybody and welcome to Wrestling Academy episode 7.5 I'm the homecoming king here at Wrestling Academy My name is Sammy Junio And with me in this unforgiving steel cage Is headmaster Michael Classic How you doing dude?
1: Good, much like a much like a real hell in a cell match, I do feel like we're <laughs> testing our endurance by doing our first ever two part episode.
0: You know what that i I fully agree with you. Our endurance is tested,
1: so for people who don't know this is this is the second half of a two part episode all about hell in a cell. And so if you're confused on what is a hell in a cell? where did it come from? How have people used it in the past? We would invite you to go back check out the first part. And then you're going to get everything you need to know, and then you can jump back in and talk even more, get even deeper into Hell in a Cell with us here today. Yes, please. So, Sammy, I have a question for you before we fully jump into the podcast. What is this podcast? What is it about?
0: Oh, my goodness. So, Wrestling Academy is a podcast that we started because you are a long-time, lifelong wrestling fan. And I'm super new, but you shared wrestling with me in a way that felt really gentle and nice and fun. And we started Wrestling Academy to share wrestling with the entire freaking world in that exact same way. It's for old fans, it's for wrestling curious fans. And yeah, honestly, I think it's also for moms.
1: It's for moms. It's for everybody. And we just wanna let you know that there there's no stupid questions here because here at the podcast, and I think you can agree with me here, Sammy, we are mm. Pro goof, no doof.
0: Pro goof, no doof. I think we need to I think we that's our first piece of merch is stuff that says pro goof no doof on it.
1: Pro goof, no doof. <laughs> you heard it here first. So Sammy, we're talking yeah. even more about Hell in a Cell here today. I guess just I'm I'm curious. Mm. What did you retain from our last episode? Did what did Uh-oh, you get? Michael. What were the big what were the big <laughs> gems? <laughs> Gonna put you on the spot in our most <laughs> in our most devastating <laughs> in oh, our most devastating you pop just quiz today. Into hell
0: <laughs> okay. what do you
1: remember from a podcast we recorded yesterday
0: <laughs> days ago <laughs> thirty minutes ago, what did you retain? Hell in the cell, Well, we covered the history of cage matches in wrestling. It started back in the nineteen 30s. 30s, uh, with chicken wire, and the cage was inside the ring, and now it has evolved to a cage surrounding a cell. And in WWE specifically, they started with cage matches, eventually had a big blue steel cage, and then it grew into this, like, is it mesh wire? It's like chain link. It's a chain link fence, but a cage. And it's 20 feet tall and weighs two tons. I covered the Undertaker and Randy Orton. You covered New Day versus the Usos. Mine was a vintage match. Yours was a modern match. The violence was abound in both matches, and I think that's it.
1: Yeah, you basically just <laughs> saved everybody two hours. You know, we we did all that last episode, <laughs> yeah. but it took us two hours to say all that. So We're very
0: verbose <laughs> here at Wrestling Academy.
1: <laughs> so Sammy has been able to boil it all down into a bite-sized chunk. We got into the history of Hell in Cells, where they came from. The first couple of Hell in a Cell's, we talked about those, and then we Mm -hmm. broke down some classic feuds. And I think the hallmark of those two feuds that we covered, the New Day and the Usos and the Undertaker and Randy Orton, it felt like it showed the level of violent creativity people display within a Hell in a Cell where mm-hmm. there were kendo sticks, there were handcuffs, there were steel steps, there were tables. And so I think today we wanted to showcase a different aspect of Hell in a <gasps> Cell. Not saying these matches aren't any less violent, create violently creative, but I think the true purpose of a Hell in a Cell match is to escalate The violence when a feud has become too personal with each Mm. other. And so that's what we wanted to delve into today. When a Hell in a Cell match becomes the capstone to a blood feud.
0: Oh, damn. That was nice. So we covered old matches where I kind of saw that Hell in a Cell was a little bit about testing the boundaries of the cell and then getting on top of it. Whereas the, the more modern match, everybody was pretty obediently inside the cage but so violent with every type of weapon that they could find if you and i were to fight in a hell in a cell would we drop from these incredible heights or would we hit each other with trombones
1: i'm glad you brought this up sammy because i've been thinking about this a lot ever since we've
0: <laughs> you've been thinking about hitting me for a lot <laughs>
1: Inside of I, I <laughs> here's what I think. After watching mm-hmm. the the four Hell in a Cell ma- the two we watched last time and the two we're about to talk about today, mm-hmm. it's made me feel like, and I don't know where this is coming from inside of me, but this made me be like, I think it would mm-hmm. make the academy stronger uh-huh. if we stepped inside of Hell in a Cell. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I yeah. think that'd be cool. I think that'd be really fun. Sure.
0: But how would we how would we do it? Would we do the big like off the ceiling spots or would we just kendo stick the fuck out of each other?
1: I think I definitely think kendo sticks are going to be involved. I definitely, (laughs) I definitely would love to the opportunity for us both to just whack each other with kendo sticks. Sure. But I kind of, part of me thinks it'd be really fun to run around on top of the cell too. Not necessarily falling the 20 feet off of it, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm it does just seem like it'd be kind of, in my mind. And again, I think this is why maybe I'm delusional and I would quickly get super hurt during one of these things, but <laughs> we would be up there and in my mind. I was like, Oh, it's kind of bouncy, like a trampoline. And so <laughs> I would want to bounce on the, on the top of the cage and probably end up going through it.
0: Oh, well that said at first, 40,000 subscribers on YouTube. We will go into hell in a cell and we will see if Michael trampolines on the ceiling of a hell in a cage.
1: Yeah, we're just going to we're just going to see what it feels like to get thrown into a chain link fence and
0: <laughs> <laughs> I personally think well, here's here's where I am is that I have a, a fear of heights, but I also in the name of this podcast think that it's super funny to make me nervous so it would be really funny to try and get a a top of the cell like spot so i'm not i don't know man
1: (laughs) yeah i guess i here's my here's my question before we dive into the episode sure if i did the thing where i climbed to the top of the cell and kind of beckoned you up there to fight me would you do it yes or would you get too scared and would I be up there and you'd be like, fuck this, and then you would just leave the arena and be like, you <laughs> like, win, we'll dude. See. I don't want to do this. <laughs> yeah.
0: No, I don't I I would not leave you up there alone.
1: So you would conquer your own fear of heights to get to the top of the cage with me.
0: I would certainly climb up it. I just don't know what I would look like <laughs> once I'm there. Because like we mentioned the old place that we used to work at where we would clamber up ladders. And I did find then, but it's just like moving around confidently. So there's a the Rockefeller building here in New York and I was on top of it. And there's, it's a building, like hundreds, thousands of people are on top of it all of the time. Nobody falls off. Oh, but sweet little homecoming king. Like I had to stand in the middle <laughs> of the building on the roof because I got a little nervous.
1: Well, with those, I feel like a gust of wind could just, that's my <laughs> irrational fear is just- Somehow it would the wind would blow up my shirt and my shirt would turn into an umbrella and then I just like and I'm gone. That's that's my irrational fear.
0: Okay. <laughs> that I, I love that imagery. Uh I wanted to have it so bad.
1: Yeah. Do uh, you want me? Do you want me to die in a funny way though? So.
0: No, I just want to see it. I just want to see you before you die. <laughs>
1: I think, I think to me, that is, that is the kind of a- anxiety I live with in my everyday life. Yeah, I
0: feel like that would be a situation where, like, I would tell somebody, like, yeah, Michael died, like, yeah, kind of in die? a Kirby-esque kind of way where he filled up with air and then fell down, and then everybody would laugh, and that would suck.
1: Yeah, he floated away like a balloon. <laughs> We could talk about we could talk about fighting each other in Hell in a Cell hypothetically, or we could talk about real Hell in a Cell matches that really happened. So we're going (laughs) to talk about two Hell in a Cell matches today, each with their own blood feud associated with them. These are where feuds got so personal, the only place they could have settled them was in Hell in a Cell and sticking to the same sort of theme and rules from our last episode, Sammy is going to be covering a vintage feud and I'm going to be covering one that happened in the modern day. So kicking off, I'm going to be talking about the feud between Sasha Banks and Bailey that <laughs> culminated October 25th, 2020 at Hell in a Cell. And just a fun fact before we get started. Mm. Up until that point, there had only been three women's Hell in a Cell matches, and Sasha Banks had fought in all three.
0: What were the other three?
1: So the two before that, she fought Charlotte Flair and then mm. she fought Becky Lynch, both Hell in a Cell matches.
0: What is everyone's deal with Sasha Banks?
1: Well, she's a little well, bit of a she's a little bit of a cantankerous sort of <laughs> Bad guy heals. So that that always factors into her thing. So the thing I like about Sasha Banks is her character is she's the legit boss. So she's this edgy, kind of cool, suave person who doesn't mind bending the rules or cheating or stabbing people in the back to Mm. get what she wants because... Sasha Banks kind of always knows what her worth is and will do literally anything to achieve her goals. And let's be honest, the way that translates in the WWE is she will absolutely stab people in the back constantly <laughs> yeah. to get what she wants. So that it's always going to end up with her in a, in, in a feud with somebody that, that can escalate to the point of being in a hell in a cell match. Mm, okay. So that's Sasha Banks. By comparison, we have Bailey who is just one of the most clean cut, straightforward baby faces that has ever existed? Her whole deal is bright colors and hugs and side <laughs> ponytails and wacky, waving, inflatable tube men and <laughs> giving it her absolute best in the ring. And I think that was sort of the hallmark of Bailey that's why she was able to become as popular popular as she did is in wrestling mm-hmm. having a baby face a good guy that people root for organically is really really challenging and so mm-hmm. i think Bailey's sort of awkward vulnerable like this is just who i am and it doesn't matter how much the odds get stacked against me i'm always going to try to see the best in people and i'm always going to give it my best shot it's really easy. Like I can feel you being cynical listening to this right now, but when you watch it live, when you watch it happening, it, it, her. I think her charisma wins you over, and then you see her become very good inside, and then you see her like have the matches, and she's incredible in the ring. So it's like, oh, she gets to the levels of Sami Zayn or Cody Rhodes or something I like that. say Sammy
0: Junio, I was like, yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> We all know yeah, I'm a Sasha
1: Banks. We yeah, all you're know. a Sasha. You're a Sasha. You're a Sasha. <laughs> a Sasha. Damn it. Uh, there's nothing wrong with being a Sasha. Everybody, I think most people would prefer being a Sasha.
0: Fair. It is really hard to be sincere and genuine, like like Bailey,
1: Yeah. And so I, I think it was just, that was where she just became she had such a real connection with people because her whole thing was legitimately being positive and trying her best. And people were just trying to screw her over constantly. Mm-hmm. And she was just like, look. I will fight hard but I'm never gonna turn my back on people and I, I just, it just it's a it's a very rare situation where she got embraced by the fans just for being a squeaky clean good guy and it's it's pretty impressive but it did put her directly in the ire of someone like Sasha Banks whose character would be able to maybe manipulate and use that for her own ends. So these two have a very, very long history together, going back all the way to 2013 at the developmental territory for WWE called NXT. And so they had this like long, years-long feud that culminated in a match at NXT TakeOver Brooklyn, which at that time had the distinction of being one of the greatest modern women's matches of all time of just the the magic that these two created in the in the ring for that match was just like unbelievable and nobody had ever seen anything like that and we were talking about in episode five the women's revolution and it was that it was matches like that that people were talking about where they're like oh on the main roster they're doing these kind of matches that seem to be frustrating and not giving women any time but down in nxt if you gave women the opportunity to wrestle the way they want to they deli- they can deliver things like this and it really helped turn the turn the tide and start that women's revolution that we were talking about and also from last episode we mentioned in NXT there were the four horsewomen Becky Lynch Charlotte Flair and then the other two mm-hmm. Sasha Bailey so these these two are like foundational pieces to the evolution of women's wrestling in the WWE and the reason that these two are a worked so well together is they're diametrically opposed to each other as characters and in storyline they are best friends so they work really well together because the characters know each other and can work really well together and so you know Sasha helps Bailey get a little, get, unlock some intensity inside of her. And then Bailey is able to help Sasha kind of smooth the edges of some of her heel like tendencies. So they work as a really good tag team. So much so that in 2019, February 17th, 2019 at the elimination chamber, Sasha and Bailey become the first ever women's tag team champions. They nice. debute the women's tag division and these two, hold the belts and they hold the belts for about two months until we get to WrestleMania 2019 WrestleMania 35, this, this WrestleMania that we're talking about was the historic WrestleMania that we were talking about where Becky Lynch overcame the odds and won the rod SmackDown women's championship, had that meteoric rise. Nobody thought she was going to be able to do it. And so while Becky Lynch's dreams were coming true, Sasha and Bailey's dreams were crumbling in front of them because they oh, were in no. a fatal four-way for the women's tag titles and they lose their belts to the Iconics. And I only put in that story beat because I love the Iconics and anytime I can mention them is a positive. The Iconics ruled and I wish they were still in WWE.
0: You love the Iconics. They're,
1: dude, they are so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> they're so cool. They're just... Their character is that they're Australian mean girls. And so they would just be backstage roasting people and being basically <laughs> <So, the, laughs> ostensibly being like you can't sit with us <laughs> it, it oh, was God. so <laughs> it was so funny and then they would just get their asses kicked all that it was great so fair okay very funny but w- when they lose sasha banks outside of the storyline had to take some time off to to sort of deal with some like mental health stuff that was going on with her very important. Glad that she did that. So in her absence, Bailey goes back to being a singles competitor and she enters into the money in the bank contest, May 19th, 2019. And so the way the money in the bank contest works, right? Is there's a ladder, you climb the ladder, you get a briefcase inside. The briefcase is a contract, meaning you can cash in that contract for a title shot for any title of your choosing. So Bailey wins the money in the bank, gets the contract And cashes in her contract on Charlotte Flair that night and wins the SmackDown Women's Championship. And so this is a huge deal for Bayley because that makes her the first triple crown champion in WWE. Meaning she's held the Raw Women's title, the Women's Tag title, and now the SmackDown Women's title. So she's held all the belts available to her and she's the first woman to do it. And so, this is a big deal. The SmackDown title becomes a huge, huge deal to her. And so, it's like, everybody's super excited. We're celebrating for Bailey. She hangs on to the title. And about three months later, on the August 12th episode of Raw, Sasha Banks returns. And she's (gasps) got a chair. She's got blue hair. And she's discovered a new... Again, we we tapped into. it. Sometimes Sasha has these heel like tendencies, so she mm-hmm. taps into her heel side and just starts laying waste to the women's division with a chair. Oh my and god! And she sets her sights specifically on the Raw Women's Champion Becky Lynch and starts attacking her with a chair. Set it, basically being like at Clash of Champions, I want your title. And so she slides in. She's beating the crap out of Becky Lynch with a chair, and then her old tag team partner slides into the ring. And and just trying to talk some sense into Sasha being like, you know, this isn't you like you got to you got to stop like you there. There are better ways to go about this. And she manages to get cooler heads to prevail. Bailey takes the chair from her. Everything seems cool, except then Bailey looks at the chair and then just starts pasting Becky Lynch with the chair as well. And for the first time in her career bailey turns heel and it's a huge deal she cuts off her iconic ponytail she kills the wacky inflatable tube men and she starts dressing in all black and i guess i just want to ask you you've only ever seen bailey in modern day so you'd have no idea you had no idea about this heel lineage of bailey i I guess yeah what was your what's your opinion of bailey because i feel like she's the only wrestler you've ever really seen in modern day
0: I saw a couple of her entrances with the wacky waving inflatable flailing tube men and I thought that that was kind of dorky. So seeing her now, she's in damage control right now and it seems like she's kind of the puppet master for uh, all those gals and I think she's she's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, so she's pretty so you've only ever known her as kind of a heel.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And so you for you you're like, "Oh, I don't care about I don't care about Babyface Bailey. I only like Heel Bailey."
0: Y- sure. Yeah, to boil it down, yeah.
1: You know who else really likes Bailey as a heel? Mm. Sasha Banks, who's also a heel. <laughs> and the two of them <laughs> go on this absolute tear throughout the women's division. Just basically they're they're helping each other Cheat to win. Sasha is helping Bayley hang on to her SmackDown Women's Championship. Then on an episode of SmackDown, June 5th, 2020, they are able to recapture the women's tag titles, which allows them to jump between Raw and SmackDown and then Mm. basically just terrorize the women's division. And so these two are riding high. And since they're both heels, they're able to just fully embrace and be themselves. And everything's going really good until we get to payback August 30th, 2020, when the tag team of Sasha and Bailey fight this new, weird, unlikely tag team between Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax. And they're a brand new tag team, they're kind of thrown together. And Shayna and Nia just don't straight up don't even like each other. So it, mm. it, it Sasha and Bailey are walking into this being like, oh, this is going to be a walk in the park, except Baszler and Jax are able to overcome Sasha and Bailey and take the women's tag titles from them. And oh, at that wow. point, Bailey is is furious. And so she she turns on Sasha in the ring, starts beating her up and is basically like, we were never friends And I've been carrying you this entire time. And so the only thing that's ever been important to me is this SmackDown women's title. And she throws Sasha to the curb and Sasha is just completely distraught. She's like, what are you talking about? I've helped you every single step of the way. The only reason you've been able to hang on to that championship is because I helped you. I helped you cheat. Mm -hmm. I I helped you stay the tag team. I helped you stay the SmackDown Women's Champion for this long. So if this is really how you feel, then the only way that I can convey that you hurt me is by taking the most important thing to you. I'm going to take that title from you. And so- Sasha basically starts in on Bailey being like, we're going to fight. We're going to fight in, we're going to fight in hell in a cell, which is again, is a match. Sasha Banks has some experience in. She's been in every hell in a cell women's match up to date. And so I think Bailey realizes that she would be a little outnumbered if she did this. So she was like, Oh no, I'm there's absolutely no way I'm going to fight you in hell in a cell. And so Sasha Banks shows up holding the contract and is like, you will sign this. And Bailey tries to run Sasha attacks her with a chair. And then oh does this very brutal spot where she puts she peeks Bailey's head through the lip of the chair and then just puts her in her finishing move the bank statement which is like a crossface using the chair as leverage and then oh has God. the contract on the ground and it's basically like sign it sign the contract and then Jesus. Bailey's like ah, ah! and so <laughs> under extreme duress Bailey agrees to this hell in a cell match oh and gosh. that's where this match picks up the, the something really unique about this match is the time period in which it took place so It took place in 2020 when Mm -hmm. the entire world was in lockdown. So, yeah, I was curious. This was your first experience checking out COVID era pandemic lockdown wrestling. How did how did the presentation strike you when you watched it for the very first time?
0: This particular match is in October after months of us being in lockdown. So it feels, it felt like they had their stuff together. Like they were piping in audio like crowd sound, definitely not from the Zooms. The walls outside of the ring were Zoom windows and stuff. I think the only thing that struck me as odd, and maybe it's because I'm desensitized by the lockdown and everything I saw anyways, but the most interesting thing about this is that it seems to me like the wrestlers like were able to hear the commentators for the first time because I, I know i can assume that in the arenas you can't hear the commentators at all so bailey specifically was answering the commentators and like talking back to them and then like answering their hypothetical questions that they are want to 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 shout during a match and so it was Kind of and it was entertaining in a in a different way that we haven't been able to see before.
1: And I'm glad you brought that up because Bailey has an ongoing feud (laughs) with one of the the behind-the-mic commentators, his name is Michael Cole. Uh And so she will specifically go up to the commentator booth and just specifically be like Shut up, Michael! Like I oh, hate it, Michael. And it's it's so funny. And I, I saw an interview with Bailey uh-huh. where they talked about like, hey, where where did this feud with Michael Cole start? And she basically pointed out exactly what she what you said. She was like, oh, the reason that came about is when we were all wrestling during the lockdown. There, I could there was there was no crowd noise, so the arena was very quiet. So I could just hear the commentators talking mm-hmm. during the match, mm-hmm. and so. Yeah, obviously at the time she was a heel. So the commentators would be like, I can't believe Bailey would do something like that. And so she started to be like, you know what? Hey, F you, dude. I'm going (laughs) to I'm going to do whatever. So then she started responding because she had the freedom to. And then now that we have crowds again, she's continued that feud with Michael Cole. But yeah, for people who don't know the the covid era of wrestling in the WWE, it was called the Thunderdome. And so they basically operated in a small venue And instead of a crowd, they had a bunch of Zoom screens on the side and Mm -hmm. they would pipe in crowd noise. But there was a very bizarre stretch of time where they were trying where, you know, we were all trying to figure it out, but they were trying to figure out exactly what that presentation was. So there were tons of empty arena fights, which is just a very strange because wrestling it's all about energy live crowd reactions and stuff like that so watching all these things happen silently they experimented with having cinematic matches that were kind of more like movie action Mm. scenes than real life wrestling varying degrees of success on those and they had this very very bizarre money in a bank match where it, it took place at wwe headquarters in stanford connecticut and they put the briefcase at the top of the building and everybody started on the ground floor and they had to battle their way up the whole they had to race slash battle each other up the entire you know through the entire building oh to God. make it to the roof to then climb a ladder and and get the briefcase so wow they were trying all kinds of stuff some of it was very fun and a lot of it was really weird. Like i honestly think we should do a whole episode about COVID era wrestling because it is a true it, a, a a bizarre flavor that I don't think we've tried yet at Wrestling sure. Academy
0: yeah absolutely I that money in the bank sounds like a video game was that like the, the entire roster and they were just trying to scramble through the they had a they had a men's building? match
1: and a women's match so it was it was it was something like seven or eight men seven or eight women okay and okay and it was a combination of pre-recorded kind of skit stuff but then <laughs> sure. fight stuff but then wrestling stuff it, it, it's just a very bizarre cocktail that sammy i would love for you to try
0: i can't wait to see up
1: <laughs> this this hell in a cell match this is your first exposure to sasha banks and bailey like how did it feel to watch these two Step into the ring.
0: Yeah, these these two really went at it in... I mean, it's so impressive that they went at it that hard in front of Zoom screens. And uh, yeah, this is the first time that I've watched them wrestle long-term, and I it made a fan out of me. These two are really impressive.
1: I think that was my main takeaway from watching this match, too, was the the pure energy that was being generated by these two people i also felt myself nor because normally when you watch these these thunderdome matches it loses a lot of the spark that real matches have and so I, i do think there was a fear that this match could be really disappointing because we're building up this huge long these two have been associated with each other for about seven years at this point so this feud has been building for seven years a fever pitch. They have such a long history with each other. And I think the fear is that because it's happening in in lockdown and quarantine that the match is going to lose something. And so I think that just speaks to how impressive these two performers are. Is they? I, I found myself not even noticing that there wasn't really a crowd because just the match itself was so brutal between these two that they yeah. uh, to me they generated so much energy that i was able to just stay in it and stay with them the entire time
0: that's an interesting point that you make that the match was so good that you didn't really realize that it was a thunderdome match maybe that's why i'm so casually like oh yeah the thunderdome wasn't a big deal so i guess i'll i'll have to check out other matches to to see where see where i land
1: the reason this match had as much energy as it did is It was just so violent off the top. These two, (laughs) these two run out. And so I think kind of the story going into it is that Bailey is very apprehensive to even be in this match. I think a lot of things are going on in Bailey's head at the time. She's worried about holding on to this title. I think part of her realizes that the only reason she's hung on to the title that's very important to her so long is because Sasha was helping her out. And now the person who's been helping her out has turned against her. They know each other so well. They have such a deep, complicated history with each other. And I think Bailey also pretty rightly realizes that Sasha has a ton of experience in this match. So she's trying to stay the hell away from Sasha at the very <laughs> beginning. And is she's looking for kendo sticks. She's looking for chairs. Anything mm-hmm. she can do. To put some distance between her and Sasha Banks in the early part of this match. And Sasha, to me, feels like the Terminator or something. She is just so determined to hurt Bailey that it she it, she's able to shrug off pretty much everything that's going towards her. So, so Bailey, she rolls under the ring, she grabs a kendo stick immediately. She's trying to get Sasha. Sasha gets the kendo stick from her and she does this thing where she because the Helena cell is a, a chain link fence, basically, so she mm-hmm. puts the kendo stick through the chain link and then just torpedoes it out the side, <laughs> and it flings. And it, <laughs> they cut to a wide angle, and you see the commentator Michael Cole have to jump out of the way. It comes so close to just yeah. <laughs> hitting him in the
0: chest. He could have been torpedoed. Yeah, Javelin. he could have been
1: torpedoed. And. Which again, we know Bailey would have loved. So, <laughs> <laughs> even those two are, even though these two are at odds, Sasha's still doing her friend a little bit of a salad. <laughs> they're going to the ring. They're getting all kinds of toys. At one point, Bailey gets this table and is just using. They're they're like wrestling over it, and then Sasha starts becoming the aggressor and just uses the table to battering Ram Bailey into the sides so hard that the table kind of collapses and it makes the perfect ramp for Sasha to just run from one side of the cage up the table and then just drive her knees directly into Bailey's face. And that was something that was really that I noticed watching this match is that, you know, Sasha Banks, by comparison, is a much smaller, more agile person in general. Mm-hmm. And so I think the fact that she's been able to be in these hell in a cell matches, like lends the ability. Cause I, th- cause I think when you look at men's matches, right, they're just these mm-hmm. big lumbering dudes. And so a lot of it is just, can you believe how hard someone's getting slammed into the side of the, into the cage? But since Sasha doesn't have that same advantage she has to then get very creative with how she's doing her offense so she's able to climb up and bounce off the cage in a way that Love I think that. other male performers aren't necessarily able to accomplish all the time mm-hmm. which is why I think allowing women to take part in these matches is important Is it's like oh there's like a whole other extra degree of creativity that we're now have available to us in these Hell in a Soul matches so I thought it was like really cool and I found myself because there's this one part where Bailey has Sasha up on the ring apron and -hmm. she tries to grab her and throw her down. And then Sasha in midair leaps onto the cage and then (laughs) Bailey goes after her and then she leaps from the cage back onto the turnbuckle and is is basically turned into Spider-Man for a couple of minutes halfway through. And it's just so, so cool and so much fun.
0: It's kind of like when we're we're talking about the Lucha Bros and uh, the Young Bucks where they were using ladders as kind of jumping off like literal jumping off points. I, I really love seeing seeing the creativity there and and surfaces.
1: If you want to talk creativity, they mm. <laughs> so what they get the they get these kendo, these like bamboo kendo sticks from under the ring, right? And mm-hmm. I think the the kendo sticks have become a hallmark of most modern Hell in a Cell matches. Yeah. They've taken the they've sort of taken the place of throwing someone off the top of the cell. They they're like, oh we'll stay in but if you let us just beat the beat the hell out of each other with kendo sticks. So, Bailey does this very crazy spot where she wrestles she sort of nestles the kendo stick in between the chain link fence and the ring steps and she mm-hmm. puts two of those so it's just a solid bridge and then she puts Sasha under the thing puts both Sasha's legs under her armpits and then just falls backwards and slingshots Ugh. Sasha's just directly up into the kendo sticks, and it's just so violent. Feel you could just feel. It's one of those ones where I think for me when I'm watching wrestling, mm-hmm. it's hard to relate to the pain that you're <laughs> seeing sometimes. And so I think that allows you as a fan to disassociate a little bit and be like, "Wow, that seems like that might hurt." But there are some when when they hurt somebody, where you're like, "I kind of vaguely think I know what that would feel like." Sure for me those get into my body and so watching sasha kind of rocket it's like i've definitely ran into a post and knocked the wind out of myself i know what that <laughs> feels like and so you just see it happen and you're like
0: oh <laughs> there's something about this move specifically like they do a they do this slingshot in all of the hells in and he's in the seas that we've watched and i feel like maybe it's because the move is a is telling its own little story where it's like, oh, well, here's the setup. And then there's just that moment of suspension that I think really works in wrestling where it's just like, oh, what's going to happen? We all know that they're going to be flung backwards, but it really is that like moment on a roller coaster where you're like at the top, just waiting. And that move gives us that moment as well. It's really breathtaking.
1: Flips and flying and all that kind of stuff. It is just a very visually, I think you see someone kind of there is that moment where it feels like time slows down and so you're seeing oh, it's just momentum carrying this person and so when yeah. you see that it, it's very cool. Oh god, speaking of momentum. Yes. So they they the first part of the the match they're they're fighting on the outside and so when they finally get things back on the inside they do this move that i've been thinking about ever since i saw it where Mm -hmm. bailey wedges she grabs a chair and she wedges it into the turnbuckle basically so she's made a (sighs) a metal sheet and so Uh she's going she does it's called a sunset flip where she flips over sasha and then uses the momentum to throw into the turnbuckle but because I th- something we touched on in the first part is mm. in Hell in a Cells, He's because a this is a match that people aren't trained for, mm. there are sometimes sequences that come off a little sloppier than in a real match. But I think for me, it works because it makes the it makes the match, the violence, it seems more real. Mm-hmm. And so... Sometimes when someone's a little far off, it feels more violent because it seems like, oh shit, that might actually have really, really hurt in a way that they weren't expecting. So Bailey, she goes to do the sunset flip and she's going to rocket Sasha into the corner. But when you're looking at it, Bailey is probably a foot and a half, maybe two feet further than where she's supposed to be. And so you see her in midair make the adjustment and just rockets Sasha Banks. And you see. <laughs> You see when Sasha takes off, she takes off maybe twice as fast as she normally <laughs> would, had this been a normal yeah. match. And so Sasha more than covers that two feet and slams into that chair. And it just looks like it hurts so so bad and then at that point it's kind of bailey's whole thing she does this thing i've only ever seen in hockey movies where Mm -hmm, they pull mm -hmm. the jersey over the head and just start beating him so (laughs) bailey does that but with the ring apron where she (laughs) stuffs sasha into the ring apron and then just wraps it over and then just starts like slamming her into the metal parts of the ring gosh and it's one of those things, it's it's not elegant, it's really ugly, but that's yeah. kind of what you want in these sorts of matches of, oh, this isn't the crisp choreography of a lucha match, this is the hard hitting, this is a blood feud, these people really want to hurt each other. And so sometimes I think these weird, sloppy transitional parts make it extra, it, it adds to the authenticity for me as the fan, watching it. Speaking of sloppy stuff that happens, little, little mistakes, <laughs> it leads to this... This moment that I think is really funny and and charming. So Bailey goes under the ring and grabs some duct tape and she goes to try to unpeel the duct tape. But, you know, she's been wrestling for 15 minutes at this point. Mm-hmm. And so she's trying to do it. And the the relatable experience we've all had where you can't get the little bit of tape off of the roll. Yeah. And you see her trying, trying, trying. And then half in character, half out of character, she looks at the. She looks at the referee and is like, hey, I'm super sweaty. Could you open this for me? Yeah. And then the referee is completely in character. And so he's like, absolutely not. Like, what are you <laughs> say? I can't help you open this. And so you see her have to be like, oh, right, 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 right. We're, we're, we're in character. Because <laughs> normally there's a crowd. There's a thing. So if they need to have that out of character communication with each other, they could really do it. But mm-hmm because we're in the lockdown era where there is no crowd sound they're not allowed to have those kinds of moments so you see it so bailey it has to wrestle with this tape by herself she sets up one kendo stick on the side of the of the fence and then she sets up another one on the ring and so the goal is she's going to tape the two of them together Mm -hmm. and then she's going to slam sasha onto it and so she wraps the tape wraps it gets it does the best she can it's like it's she she puts the the tips too far away. So there's like not enough support. So she taped, tape, tape, tapes and let's go. And it just goes like
0: it hits the <laughs> ground.
1: And I think there's a thing you would see most wrestlers do where even if they're building to a spot that's going to look crappy, if they mm-hmm. said that they're going to do it, they're going to commit to it. So I think sure. 99% of wrestlers would have been like, okay, look, I know the stick is not looking crisp and it's on the ground, but I'm going to slam somebody into that anyway. Bailey does a thing I've never seen before where she basically looks at it and goes like, yeah, fuck this. And, and just like walks away and just like ba- completely bails on the whole segment. And it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. this looks like, this looks like crap. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to, not going to waste everybody's time. And so.
0: <laughs> that's why she's champion.
1: Yeah. That's why she's the champion. Cause she has the ring awareness to be like, this sucks. I'm, I'm out. <laughs> so she gets back to the ring. She turns her attention, but, but Sasha has had so long with the whole tape debacle that she's been able to, fish a fire extinguisher out from under the ring and just sprays bailey in the face with fire extinguisher <laughs> so it's just like
0: have you ever have been you blasted ever s- by oh i was about have to you ask you the same by- question. <laughs> michael have you ever been, blasted, have you ever been blasted in the face by the fire
1: extinguisher saving i was just curious
0: uh, no i, have I haven't
1: not. i haven't either
0: <laughs> i I am really afraid of getting blasted by a fire extinguisher it's not on the list of irrational fears, but I have seen enough footage of people af- of people after they've been blasted by fire extinguishers where they're like faces is really puffy and swollen, which you know what I'm not a fan of they'll love that
1: yeah, that's what I was going to say too like the only reason Whoa. I've ever been scared to do it is <laughs> the only time I've ever seen somebody outside of wrestling gets sprayed with a fire extinguisher was on an episode of jackass where they did it to one of the jackass guys without them realizing it was going to happen. And then afterwards the guy's face is so swollen and messed up and he's got this whole like, oh, why did you guys do that to me vibe that it made me be like, I got to stay the hell away from fire extinguishers. I don't know what the hell's in these. Like, I didn't know.
0: Right. That's literally why I'm so fire conscious is because I don't want a fire extinguisher near me because knowing me, I would accidentally blast myself in the face with it instead of a fire.
1: Going to fight the fire, but also you. And at <laughs> what cost? What like at what, cost is, at what cost is your safety going to come at? <laughs> you know, I feel like that. It's it's like I'm done fighting the fire, but you're next. <laughs> That's yep. what I'm afraid of. That's why I don't keep <laughs> fire extinguishers in the ass. It's just vibes for me.
0: Yeah, don't tell the police. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, guys. Hey, I need the whole Wrestling Academy audience to just be cool. Don't tell the police, okay?
0: Yeah, don't tell the police and not even the fire marshal. Just don't tell the police. <laughs> yeah, just don't
1: talk to the cops. That's just a good general rule.
0: With that said, at 7,500 followers on YouTube, I will let you, Michael, blast me in the face with a fire extinguisher. Don't tell the cops.
1: I won't tell the cops or the fire marshal, but <laughs> once Bailey gets hit with the fire extinguisher, she's mm. she's disoriented and it allows Sasha to get back into the fight a little bit more and then it, it builds to the point where Bailey puts a, a ladder on two chairs, so she's kind of made a makeshift table. She put and Bailey puts Sasha on top of it, and then grabs some spray paint and just starts spray painting all over Sasha's very beautiful and well designed all white, <laughs> all white costume. And I found myself a little bit being like, "How dare you!"
0: she really is a heel.
1: <laughs> yeah, she really is a heel. And so that was a fun thing in the entr- in their entrances that I noticed is you you know the the like ding dong hello head of damage control Bailey, but mm-hmm. when Bailey first turned heel, she had this very emo world-weariness to her character that <laughs> I it is my favorite iteration as an as a little emo kid myself, sure. I really related to Bailey coming out with this, like, heavy music. And and even in the entrance to Hell in a Cell, she just has this, like, what are we even doing? What are we fighting for? We're all gonna die. And it just, like, has this real, like,
0: oh. <laughs>
1: and she's dressed in all black. And so when she grabs the spray paint, and then Sasha Banks, by comparison, is in this, like, beautiful white costume. And so just, like, <laughs> Bailey grabs fucking spray paint and just starts spray painting all over it. Insanely rude. Insanely rude behavior on oh, Bailey's rude. part.
0: I will say as bailey gets ready to elbow drop sasha banks on the, across this ladder i was like dude if she does this sasha's going to die and like be diced into the holes of the this ladder i was very worried very yeah, it, worried it about this
1: becomes more like a cheese grater at that point so yeah <laughs> it's going to be like one of those play-doh presses and yeah, bailey's exactly just as a- play-doh pressing sasha through <laughs>
0: She's like three sections of Sasha. Oh my God. And then God, one of them's no. a half
1: moon and one of them's a star. <laughs> yeah. Aww. at this point they're trading, they're trading finishers back and forth. So like Sasha hits Bailey with her, own, with Bailey's own finisher. So like insanely rude to use your opponent's finishing maneuver on them. Mm-hmm. Like hits that. You think Sasha might be able to win, but then Bailey able is able to kick out, hits Sasha with her finisher. The, the Bailey to belly is what it's called. And then the final sequence, we, We flash back to the contract signing where Sasha puts Bailey through the lip of the the head of the chair, like Mm -hmm. where you sit down, her head's poking out the back, puts Bailey in the bank statement, and then Bailey taps out, and Sasha is the winner. She's able to finally get some justice for herself, finally prove to her friend that she took everything that was important to Bailey, and she's the winner.
0: In that final bank statement, not only is Bailey through the chair... But Sasha starts, like, whacking a leg of the chair with her leg to, like, kind of, like, continue to, like, do this and, like, pinch Bailey. And that really does, the blood feudiness of this is really communicated with a couple of these spots, uh, a few of them that we just talked about. But even that last one, it's just like, oh, yeah, they really want to fucking hurt each other very badly
1: it is it is one of those things where i mean i'm sure for sasha it's nice to win but there are just times especially in a hell in a cell match where the the it's such a fever pitch that it seems like oh i don't even care about winning anymore <laughs> i just want to i just want to hurt somebody yeah yeah
0: 100 percent. oh my gosh all right so that was The feud between two people who are really, really trying to hurt each other. Let's dial the clock back to a feud between kind of the best in the biz as far as actually hurting people. This feud is between Triple H and Mankind, Mick Foley, Dude Love, and Cactus Jack.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think if we're talking about feuds where... Two people are exceptionally good at hurting each other. I think <laughs> you can you can do no better than Triple H and Mick Foley. These two people, in very different respects, uh, are kind of the kings of hurting people.
0: The kings of hurting people, and Mick Foley particularly, is the king of getting hurt a lot and very badly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just want to set. I just want to. I just want to say for yeah people listening. St- Sammy, this has been an all consuming obsession for you ever since we started. <laughs> like, once we unlocked Hell in a Cell, you like you mm-hmm. dove headfirst into this crazy career spanning feud between these two. Yeah. And it, it, it did, it did consume you. I mean, again, I, I saw you t- succumb to <laughs> Mick Foley Triple H madness at one point, so I am so excited to hear you finally dive in and cover this. Because this, this, I, I guess I'm just curious. Like, yeah, th- this one seems to ha- has have taken root inside of you. And what about this feud was so appealing to you? Before we just jump in and explain it all in detail.
0: Yeah, there's something that happened. That there's something about this that kind of is almost on the levels of obsession where like, this is a part two, we are recording this uh, a couple of days after our part one recording. I had all of my information and notes taken already, but in the, in the time between the last recording and this one, I rewatched everything all again. And yeah, I don't know. I just, Maybe it's because I love Mick Foley so much, and then there's something about Triple H that I also really love. Yeah, um, absolutely. And they're just they're just two big boys like hurting each. Like I I really I really don't know. And I I appreciate your question, but I don't know if I could answer it. Uh, articular, articulately yet.
1: Yeah, so instead of <laughs> answering it in a succinct way, let's just sure. jump in from the beginning and see what we figure out.
0: <laughs> sure, wow, thank you, Michael, so much. So we're starting in 1997, which is a transitional year bet- uh, for, for both Triple H and Mankind. So at the time, Triple H, I guess, isn't even going by Triple H yet. He's going by Hunter Hurst Helmsley. And he has this, like, I'm better than you, I'm a rich guy, like blue blood gimmick. Michael, do you have any experience with this guy?
1: Very little. So Hunter Hearst Helmsley is sort of a, I think at one point had a really bad British accent. And so his whole thing was that he's sort of a gentleman. So he would come... You know, with a neckerchief and with lace and with that kind of stuff. And so his whole point was just like, oh, I'm this sophisticated gentleman, but was just a dastardly, dastardly heel who would cheat and cut corners, but would present himself as a real gentleman. And the only clear Hunter Hearst Helmsley memory I have is he fought this guy named Phineas I. Godwin, P.I.G. for short. And his whole deal was he was a farmer. Uh And so they fought in some kind of like barnyard match. And so the whole point was, oh, the sophisticated (laughs) blue blood is getting thrown into a pig pit full of mud and is thrown into hay. And so he has this whole like, oh, I never sort of a vibe.
0: Okay, so Triple H needed uh, Hunter Hearst Helmsley helmsley needs a change and mankind does too so mick foley as we've mentioned before has uh, a couple of different wrestling personas but my question is was he wrestling as dude love or uh, cactus jack at, in the wwe at all or at, at least up until this that point 1997
1: no so okay. those personas he was doing outside of okay. the wwe and i i I could be wrong here, but I think Dude Love almost predates his wrestling career, and it was
0: right. Those was like his at home character that he really liked to. Yeah, to when play. we're
1: all when we were all kids and playing dress up, and you know, thinking about what our wrestling character his was Dude Love, basically. And so right. it was a big Hulk Hogan kind of Shawn Michaels charismatic stand-in, and then
0: like Ladies Love, Dude Love.
1: Exactly. And then he, he, and then outside, he very clearly went in a very Cactus Jack violent death match direction. And then when he comes into the WWE, he's brought in as mankind, which is yet another masked, deranged, violent individual.
0: Yeah. Like missing chunks of hair, really demented character. And at, in 1997, people were having a kind of a hard time uh, liking Mankind because he was so strange. So these two wrestlers who are looking for a change are smashed together. So Hunter Hearst Helmsley w- wanted to be allowed to be brutal, and Mick Foley wanted Mankind to get a li- get over a little bit with the audience. What better way to get somebody over than the rich guy beating up the, the helpless, poor outcast? So that's what they did. A lot of sources on the internet say that this feud started at an event called King of the Ring. Do you have any any knowledge of King of the Ring, Michael?
1: Yeah, we've talked about it a little bit before. It's a tournament where basically a bunch of competitors are trying to see who's the, who's the king of the ring, right? So it's mm-hmm. a tournament, a bunch of people enter, and if you win, you receive a crown and you're dubbed the king of the ring. Basically, you're like the best wrestler of the tournament.
0: Right. And so wrestlers will like have had to wrestle more than once in the night, which is what happened to both of these guys. They face each other after wrestling two people separately. And this match isn't necessarily super brutal, but I will say that. Triple H wins and at his own, his own coronation.
1: So they're giving him a scepter and a cape and a crown and a, you know, yes. all that all, like truly you become a king when you win the match.
0: <laughs> That's good that you mentioned scepter. What I didn't mention is, is that Hunter Hearst Hul- Helmsley, like any good wrestling gentleman, has a bodyguard and his bodyguard is China. And. I I mentioned her in the same breath as Scepter because she interferes in the match and hits Mankind with the Scepter. And there is like a very satisfying like when she hits him in the back (laughs) and the Scepter breaks at Hunter's own coronation. He takes his crown off and Mankind is still on the ground and he just starts like smashing the crown onto mankind like pretty savagely. This and... feels like
1: some Game of Thrones shit, dude.
0: <laughs> <laughs> they also kiss and China's their sister and they kiss too.
1: Oh, <gasps> uh, there's <laughs> a dragon.
0: <laughs> and then Jerry the King Lawler is their dad and uncle. What caught my eye are the last two hits that uh Hunter does with the crown. It cuz it feels like the first the the second to last swing. This is 1997. He, he Looks magnificent. He's like six foot four. He's s-
1: a bodybuilder.
0: Yeah, he's just wet. And he like, it's just like this perfect, like beautiful arch that he does. I'm not going to arch that way, you pervs. But he he does this and he, it's again, that moment where there's, he's, it feels like he's like suspended in time and space. And then he smashes it down on mankind. And I kind of feel Like he liked how that one felt so good that he did it again because he does it he does it again in the exact same way. And I don't know, maybe that's why I'm obsessed with this. I don't know. He it was just he's just really beautiful. So throughout, as I mentioned, throughout the early days of this feud, Triple H is accompanied by China, and she is incredibly good at her job of being his bodyguard. So during matches she's pulling mankind out of the ring. She's distracting the referee. She's clotheslining mankind whenever she can. Whenever he's out of the ring she's there. How did the WWE settle things like this? Well they decided to put them in a cage. But this was before Helen's Cell was officially created. So they put them in that big blue steel cage that we've talked about before. So the big blue cage match happens at SummerSlam 1997, which is it is only a few months before the actual debut of Hell in a Cell with Undertaker and Shawn Michaels. Fun facts. So the big blue steel cage isn't as forgiving as the chain link fence wall thing that Hell in a Cell is. I have kind of equated it to a giant dog kennel but not the plastic one the actual like just bars kennel yeah
1: the 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 bars of the blue cage are pretty meaty so it does seem like you're just getting thrown into a steel wall at that point
0: yes it's very very brutal and as a reminder the only way to win these matches is to leave through the blue steel cage door or to climb over the wall of the steel cage, and the match ends when your two feet hit the ground. Mankind, Triple H, they're in this massive dog kennel. They're thrashing each other about. And even though the bars are meant to keep China out, she still manages to to interfere. At one point, she strangles Mankind with, uh, I don't know where this extra fabric came from because... I feel like everybody's costumes except for mankind's were pretty tight in 1997. So wherever she got this, it, uh, it, es- it escapes me. And there's another way that she interferes that it was such a hard hit that I had to pause it. And I've had to pause it every single time I've watched this match. And this most recent time I paused it, I walked away, and I had to call my mom. Wow. It's near the end of the match and Triple H somehow is gets his foot tangled up into the ropes on one corner, the corner furthest away from the door. So Mankind takes that opportunity to crawl towards the entrance. And the moment that his head like sticks out the door, China comes running in and she kicks the door closed and it slams on the top of Mankind's head like so badly and I am again near tears. Have you ever gotten a (laughs) a cage door slammed on your head?
1: I haven't gotten a cage door slammed on my head, but one day I was running super late for work Uh and I, it was one of those things where you're just like, I'm just, I'm rushing. I got to get this whole thing. I'm like opening the door and not thinking about where I'm going. I'm trying to run out the door while opening the door. So I open the door so hard that it hits my foot so hard that it bounces and then hits my head between the door and the door frame and so it is like this three stooges like <laughs> and then i'm I, i'm I, and then it was it's one of those things where i hit my head so hard i was like and i don't give a shit about being late anymore i'm gonna get a coffee or so i don't give a f- i don't care
0: it, it like not i will the worry be late.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was i was like I, it's sort of the, it's like Okay, I'm getting a donut. I don't care. I'll be late. I don't, I really don't care. I don't care anymore.
0: Oh my God. This just reminded me of the time that I almost shut my own head in a car door. <laughs> like I was in such a rush and I was moving so fast that my thoughts were a little bit ahead of my body. And so I went to close the door, but I was still like sitting down in my car and I just <laughs> Just shut my head in the door. <laughs> but these these things that we're talking about are on the sides of our heads, which actually is a little bit more dangerous because our temples are there. my China slams this door on his fucking on his little crown. Oh I my God. just
1: here's the thing. Here's how I know I could never honestly be a professional wrestler because I would start crying.
0: Yeah, I'm crying and right I, now. And I would
1: lose all credibility with the crowd. It would just be like China slammed it, and you would just see me being like, "I quit. I don't want to wrestle anymore." You win, Triple H. I don't want to do this. You are a bad guy. Yeah, yeah I quit. Are you happy, dude? Are you happy? I. All, what if my tongue? I almost bit my tongue. Fuck you. <laughs> what about my tongue? <laughs> but here's the thing but that's the difference i think between me and mick foley is Mm
0: -hmm.
1: when mick foley gets really hurt he is able to unlock a new dimension inside of himself so i can only imagine that a a normal competitor they get cracked in the skull with a steel cage door they would cry and quit like i would but somebody Mm -hmm. like mankind that's gonna that's gonna wake him back up that's gonna get him back in the fight i think
0: Another chunk of hair just falls out of his head, and he's even mankindier than he started. <laughs> Thankfully, mankind does not cry, or quit, or bite his tongue off.
1: It's also so funny that I keep being like, "Yeah, dude, if we get a thousand subscribers, I'll let you hit me with a kendo stick." And I just every step of the way, I'm just telling the audience like, "Hey, I'm a huge wuss, and I can't take any of this."
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I'm threatening to suplex you, but like, not five hours ago, I was like, I can't even jump half an inch. <laughs> like, this is. A- we're not we don't live in reality we live in a wrestling ring
1: yeah through the academy all things are possible but (laughs) (laughs) this is a this is an this is an aspirational pursuit for the two of us
0: but if you get us there it forces us to do what we're giggling about so at 1000 subscribers i will put michael through a table we don't know how yet but it will happen
1: You've heard how big of a wuss I am. Uh, this so this is gonna this is gonna ha- I'm gonna get really hurt and I'm gonna I'm gonna complain.
0: Going through the table is going to be the beginning of our blood feud, and then we will cover our own blood feud that ends in a hell in a cell.
1: I'll be honest with you, dude. I, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm. I can't wait. There's a thing that really. Cowardly heels do when they get hurt, where they show up wearing a neck brace. And I can't wait to I can't wait to enter my neck brace era on Wrestling Academy to be like You look so cute. You've hurt me, Sammy. You've hurt me. <laughs> <laughs> I have a grievance. You turn into Carbon basically. You've
0: like, you, you hurt me, Sammy.
1: <laughs> Cause here's the thing. When you put me through that table, you didn't check to see if my tongue was in my mouth and I bit my tongue too. <laughs>
0: what about my tongue
1: i don't know how to do that but that would be my move if i was like a dastardly heel where i would like make sure to for the audience be like i'm pulling their tongue slightly out of their mouth and then oh. i hit him just so they oh. bite their tongue too <laughs> <laughs> that would suck he hit him and made him bite his tongue <laughs> or wait no this is what i would this is what i would do sammy yes is, tell me. so like i've turned heel on you and you're passed out and i'm like he's going to the corner of the ring what's he got what's he got it's a toaster oven. And then he reaches inside and there's a piece of pizza. And you can see that it's piping oh. hot. And then I make you eat the pizza that's too hot.
0: <laughs> that's and not then Jim Ross know. is
1: like, don't do it. You son of a bitch. No, no.
0: <laughs> At 150,000 subscribers, I will let you. <laughs> hot You'll, pizza eat pizza me. Hot. <laughs> You'll eat a pizza <laughs> yeah. that's too hot.
1: You'll eat a pizza.
0: Oh, wow. We have been derailed. So thankfully. Mankind does not die. And before the huge end of this match, he's able to pay a beautiful homage to Jimmy's Superfly Snooka by climbing onto the top of the cage and Superfly smashing on Triple H, which is, I think, a real beautiful moment. And I know that wrestling kind of pays tribute to itself uh, frequently. And the end of this match is... Just ends up being a crazy race between mankind, who's climbing over the cage, and China, who's trying to drag Triple H's lifeless body through the door. And thankfully, mankind makes it over. His two feet hit the ground, and the cheers it they're they're so loud. And I I, I bet that that felt really really good. And that what that's what kind of what makes me so excited about watching wrestling live is just that reaction and just like the group reaction of like oh yes it's like relief and china china and triple h and win
1: and i think that's that's also kind of what i was talking about and i I think this is why i liked covering the bailey sasha and the mick foley triple h view because in a lot of ways bailey is a lot like mick foley mankind Mm. where it's it's just Mick Foley is so good at being an underdog, so he's not a mm-hmm. traditional babyface, but he is a babyface in that he's always going to try his best, no matter how much the de- the deck gets stacked against him. And obviously, we've been seeing in this whole early part of the feud, right? Mm-hmm. China and Triple H have just been cheating constantly, have really been stacking the deck, and mankind is able to persevere through it all, and that's why people love baby faces is because Mick Foley, really good at being the underdog, doesn't win a lot. And every time he does, it feels so good. So it felt great to watch him win the steel cage match finally.
0: And what also felt great was while he was on the ground, just recovering, we hear Dude Love's theme song and Dude Love stands up and makes a victory lap around the, the arena, which is just nice. I think Mick Foley, that was a big night for Mick, Mo- Mick Foley, I feel.
1: Yeah, and it's so he got, to, he got to sort of live out his childhood fantasy, uh, you know, when he was imagining being Dude Love. It's like, now here he is winning this cage match and he gets to be the wrestler he always wanted to. That feels that's right. amazing. That's gotta feel great.
0: He's supremely over with everybody, so I don't I don't know if there was ever a, a better time. Well, actually, Mankind gets really popular, but I bet that 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 evening felt good
1: and i think this is this is the i i think this is where that starts to happen that's where the momentum starts to shift because as you said i think the mankind character when he was very early on was pretty yeah. hard to relate to right, and so yeah. i i think it's it's one of the it's kind of an acquired taste he and <laughs> once you acquire it i think it's hard to not love anybody but Mick it's so it is it's a very strange thing so it's like you see this guy he's in this leather mask and Mm -hmm. he's rocking back and forth and he feels crazed and then you see him in the matches and you're like oh i i i'm connecting with the human who's portraying this character here, I think. And so I do think it took audiences a little bit of time to wrap their head around the character. And I think the only reason they could wrap their head around the character is because it was played by Mick Foley.
0: Let's jump over to 1999. As we've kind of touched on a couple of times already, the Attitude Era is just full of intricate twists, evil things, and it really would be super hard for me to break down Triple H and Mankind in the Attitude Era. But you're in luck because in our episode On the Rock, Headmaster Michael Classic himself breaks down nineteen ninety-nine to two thousand. I challenged him to do it in ninety seconds, and he took a whole eight minutes. And it's definitely worth every single second.
1: <laughs> that that hurts me because I, I in my mind, I was like, I'm truly gonna do this in ninety seconds. And it took me <laughs> You're being generous. You said eight minutes. It took me eight and a half minutes. So yeah. it, it took me So long to get through and I was only sticking to a couple of storylines. There are so many branching storylines beyond that, but it's like, if you really want to dial in on the year of 1999 to 2000, I cover a large portion of this feud kind of in, well, in as much detail as I'm able to going at a pace that I truly thought was going to break 90 seconds.
0: (laughs) I mean, so I'm talking really fast for eight straight minutes. It's re- it, it it is really beautiful and uh, it, it is definitely worth a watch. Just watching that portion, but also that episode is really really silly, and I think I uh, highly recommend. No bias, no bias.
1: Yeah, I, without being biased, I think it's the greatest <laughs> thing we've ever done, and you should check it out.
0: <laughs> it is the most electrifying episode we have yet in the time between 1997 and 1999, both. Triple H and McFoley were super successful in shifting the audience's perception of them. And I dare say maybe it worked a little too well for mankind. Mankind started out as this deranged, as we just talked about, deranged fella in a mask. He's got clumps of hair missing. He's sitting in the corner of the ring, rocking. And in 1999, He's a family-friendly icon. He's truly beloved by the crowd. He's wrestling with a sock puppet in his hand. On his hand, he's
1: in episodes of Boy Meets World. <laughs>
0: he's in episodes of Boy he's Meets World. He's in Chef
1: Boyardee commercials. People love him at this point.
0: <laughs> he's the face of Chef Boyardee. Like, what a powerful transition. And Triple H, on the other hand, is the most son of a bitchiest son of a bitch. That has ever seen the world he has fully shed the blue blood gimmick and is wreaking havoc on the entire company with his faction. the corporation and every dastardly deed he pulls is co-signed by his wife, Stephanie McMahon.:
1: That's right, he marries the boss's daughter
0: what a what a bastard! We will get into that later. Yeah,
1: we really will. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So one of the evil things these two knuckleheads do was create a match called the Pink Slip on a Pole match in which the winner of the match has to climb a pole and pull down a pink slip off of the top. And the other thing about this match is the loser gets fired from the WWE. And The Rock and Mankind are, put, are pitted against each other in this match. And Mankind loses, which results in this actually kind of beautiful walkout where everybody in the locker room walks out and confronts Triple H and Stephanie. And they're like, hey, you got to bring back Mick Foley, please. So Stephanie and Triple H do agree to let Mick Foley return. And they do agree to give Mick Foley a chance at a WWE championship title at Royal Rumble but in accepting this match Mick Foley is like ah I'm not ready to face you but Cactus Jack is ready to face you and so the match is a street fight at Royal Rumble between Triple H and Cactus Jack in the year 2000 Y2K
1: So just for people who don't maybe don't necessarily know Mcfoley as well as we do what is the difference between regular Mcfoley and Cactus Jack
0: So the difference between regular Mcfoley and Cactus Jack is that Cactus Jack is this hardcore champion will do anything to win will take anything to win there's He's like any match that Cactus Jack is in, he's severely bloodied, and so is his opponent. Like, he's a very violent, will not stop at anything to win. And maybe. Ending's not even the point. I think maybe just like hurting his opponent is the point.
1: And Cactus Jack has fought in barbed wire death matches and stuff. You know, he's done stuff with fire and thumbtacks and exploding mm. barbed wire and two by fours wrapped in barbed wire. And <laughs> he loves barbed wire. Lo- <laughs> he really does. <laughs> he really, really does. <laughs> and and so it's like getting cut and bleeding, and mm-hmm. he's lost. He's lost parts of his ear in the ring doing these kinds of things. He's lost teeth. He's lost all kinds of things. And so Mankind starts as this character. And I think they sort of get to the point with him where they evolve him past Mankind. And they're like, so there's there's Mick Foley, the man. And then Mm -hmm. he has sort of three personas. And so Cactus Jack is the darker, violent aspect of the Mankind persona. So when he says, I don't know if I can beat you but i know somebody who might and then he does the like bang bang it, it really it, i remember watching that and there is a, a chill that goes through the arena where everybody's like oh, cactus jack is coming back it, it really feels like if you ever watch the wire it's like the omar coming thing where everyone's mm-hmm. like oh, it's really treated with like the the fucking devil. you're about to fight the fucking devil and oh my god i think that's kind of what happens in this match <laughs>
0: Yeah, def- definitely. It's it's such a wild match, and it is ends up l- literally being a bloodbath. So there is one point where Triple H gets a shard of wood stuck in his leg, and he pulls it out and continues to wrestle. But it's bleeding so much that he's basically like flooding everywhere with his with his leg blood, and it doesn't help that it Cactus happens Jack pretty continued. early
1: on. So yeah, he's super just. Early. He's he's like a faucet of blood is coming out of his leg the entire time.
0: So Cactus Jack pulls out a goddamn two by four that's wrapped in barbed wire out from underneath the ring, and this is a pretty this is a pretty upsetting weapon to reveal. And it gets to the point where the the referee tries to hide this like like evil club, but. Cactus Jack. Well, he gets distracted and then he realizes, and he's like, "Oh, wh- where, where's my, where's my Binky?" Uh, so the referee has to give it back to him. Which, I mean, god damn it, I that sucks to to get to a point where a referee, a WWE referee, is like, actually let's not do this
1: it's like when somebody's drinking too much and you take their car keys it's like you're drunk on violence dude i'm taking your i'm taking your barbed wire bat <laughs> from you man get out of here go home mick go home
0: but then they're so scary that you have to give them their your car their car keys back and you're like fuck uh this what a mistake <laughs> this sucks somehow some way triple h finds handcuffs and he you know, cuffs Cactus Jack hands behind his back and he starts just pummeling him. But there are some there are some spots that Cactus Jack gets where he kind of like soccer tackles Triple H. So he's not all of the way restrained. And I feel like I don't know, that just shows the scrappy nature of Cactus Jack. And what what a guy. So the rock comes out of nowhere and he's accompanied by a police officer, great entourage, And they uh, free Cactus Jack. So Cactus Jack is free to pile drive Triple H on an announce table. And Triple H is stunned long enough for Cactus Jack to retrieve a bag of thumbtacks that is so full and heavy that Jerry the King Lawler actually calls it a sandbag. But Clack. Classic Cactus Jack, when he whips out the thumbtacks, it ends up being him slammed onto the thumbtacks. And that happens! Triple H backdrops Mrs. Foley's baby boy on onto the thumbtacks. Triple H pedigrees Cactus Jack into the thumbtacks, just for good measure, and he takes the win. But <laughs> as Triple H is being... Gurneyed out of the goddamn arena. Somehow, Cactus Jack rises up from the depths of hell. He grabs the gurney, pushes it back into the ring, flips Triple H out of the gurney, and just hits him with the goddamn uh, 2x4 barbed wire just for fun. Like the match is over. He doesn't do anything else. He hits him, and then everything is. Everything starts de-escalating from there.
1: It's just like, hey, look, hey, you won, but uh, let let me just get let me just get just like a more. little bit of just one more, just to cool off. Let me just <laughs> hit you with this two by four, and then we're good.
0: <laughs> yeah, and that's that's just Cactus Jack, baby. Like he's he's in for blood. That's what he wanted. So after this hella brutal match, Triple H comes out at Cactus Jack at Raw and gives him an offer, and he's like. I'll wrestle Cactus Jack one more time. And he can choose the type of match. But there cannot be any barbed wire two by fours or thumbtacks, please. Like, obviously. And so Cactus Jack is like, hmm, how am I going to come at you? It's going to be hell in a cell. And Triple H foolishly agrees.
1: And this promo segment is, I think, really powerful. And it is one of those things for me where... We talk about Triple H being a really good bad guy. We talk about Mankind being a really good good guy. And you think about Mankind and the first thing that comes up is the violent hardcore matches. But his ability to cut a promo, is that that I think is what connects with people the most. And it's something he didn't get to do when he was Mankind. But I think another really unre- un- underrated promo is is Triple H himself, because he's mm-hmm. constantly mm-hmm. this sneering bad guy that everything he says makes you just want to spit in his face. <laughs> and so when he's delivering a promo, it always... It, it I think if you go back now with the appreciation that Triple H was really good at his job, you look at these promos and you're like, these promos he's cutting are incredible. So again, he's laying out the stakes for this hell in a cell where he's like, like I know you're a hardcore Wrestling piece of crap. Like, let's have a real match for the title. And then basically tries to be like, you can't use barbed wire. You can't use chairs. You can't do whatever. And then mankind's like, oh, I can't. Well, let's just do a hell in a cell. And then he's kind (laughs) of like, ah, I've been foiled. It's great. (laughs) But, Sammy, how did you feel watching? How did you feel watching this promo segment?
0: Here's the thing you kind of called me out earlier on in this episode about me being a little bit obsessed with. Mankind and Triple H And I don't know if this Idea that I have In my head I don't know if it's a result of watching too much wrestling Or if it's like really just Truly getting caught up In The Rock's episode Where I felt like Just do it baby But I Think that I can do A Triple H impression Mind you, I've never done it out loud, but I think I can do it.
1: Oh, my God. So you've just fallen so far down the rabbit hole
0: that that you've seen Triple H
1: talk so much. You're like, (laughs) I am him. I can do this.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I I texted you about this and I was like, I think I can do this, but I haven't done it out loud. And you're like, don't do it out loud. Save it for the podcast.
1: Okay. So Sammy.
0: (laughs) Yes, Michael.
1: You are going to debut mm-hmm. your Triple H impression for us here now.
0: I really am. And uh just to add to this, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna look at you. I have a script up and I'm gonna take my headphones off, so I won't be able to hear your reactions until mm-hmm. after. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think it's gonna. Here's the thing. I think you're gonna nail it, and I think it's gonna be great. So,
0: oh, uh, I think I'm gonna nail exactly what I think I'm gonna do, but I don't know if it's gonna be a triple H impression.
1: All right, well, let's let's find out. Only one only one way to find out. all right.
0: Only one way to find out. Whenever you're ready. Give me a moment. I do need to. The act the actor needs to prepare. Hell in the cell all right hell in the cell you got a deal but one stipulation I will go through hell in the cell with you but I want your career on the line if I beat you in hell in the cell you are finished you retire your career is over and that means you Mick Foley which includes dude love which includes mankind which includes cactus jack you are finished you are done done! It is over!
1: <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, pretty good, I think, for, for just going off the dome. How did you feel you did when you did it? When you were when you were performing it, were you like, I'm nailing this right now, or were there...
0: Again, I am nailing what I thought that was going to happen. I don't think I really did uh, justice to... Hunter Hearst Helmsley.
1: Here's what I appreciate about your impression. Yeah. Is I think most people, when they do the, the triple H impression, they, they, they lean into what the rocks impression of him was. So it's like, all right, uh, we're going to go to hell in a cell. Oh, so it's like, yeah. they kind of lean into that a little bit. And so I think they use it as a crutch. Whereas I really felt you going for that guttural.
0: Well, he kind of it sounds like this.
1: Yeah h this whole thing is basically being like oh you piece of crap like it's like this weird chest sort of
0: like it's like right he he lives right here for me yeah
1: it's not in the stomach it's in the it's in the chest just like it's always just like oh how dare yeah it's, it's like Stephanie, that kind of thing. I love you <laughs> <laughs> so like honestly pretty good I think I think he did a great job I think he did well, good it, I'll
0: listen back and uh hopefully I didn't blow out the microphone at all. <laughs>
1: So the the impression that Sammy just did is also the promo that Triple H himself cuts like right before they go into this iconic Hell in a Cell match. So mm-hmm. it's like it's basically I will put my title on the line. But in order to do that, I want you to put your career on the line. Mm-hmm. And so that's the wager for this match. And so. Cactus Jack is basically like, I not I promise that I'm going to win the title, but not only that, I promise I'm going to jump off the Hell in a Cell directly onto you. And then with all of that, we walk into the Hell in a Cell.
0: So this is Hell in a Cell. The official wrestling stopwatch on this match is 23 minutes and 59 seconds.
1: And I don't know about you, but it felt like hours and not in a bad way. It was just so brutal that it really felt like it did not feel like a nice breezy little 23-minute match. It really felt like
0: a long these, long time. These guys
1: are annihilating each other in this cell.
0: Well, this is what's what's wild is that the match between Sasha and Bailey was only around like 23 minutes too. Even though it feels like a longer time. Yeah, it was like yeah. oh, it was 26 minutes.
1: Yeah, and so I think with, with especially with matches like this, right, it's like oh, so much of it is just focused on. I'm gonna I'm gonna grate somebody's face against the side of the cell. I'm gonna like methodically hit them with a chair. I'm gonna just put them in the corner and and just drill them into the side of the steel cage. I feel like, yeah, you know. D- d- <laughs> Every every moment like that feels like an eternity because you can just see so many violent things happening that you're just like, oh, my God, we're, we're we're soaking in this.
0: Yeah, we are soaking in this.
1: Yeah, they were soaking us. You know, they were soaking us with that. We were steeped in violence. We were a violent tea. <laughs>
0: <laughs> violent tea covered then, in <laughs> blood.
1: Violent tea. And then uh, good old Hunter Hurst Helmsley was just bagging us, you know. Anyways. <laughs> oh, so something about these early... This is, I think this is another reason why I really like these two, Triple H and Mankind as performers, is Mm -hmm. they do a really good job of selling the weight of the match. Mm. And so Triple H, when he comes out, right, he's this cocky, dominant heel, but he's you can tell that he's rattled by being challenged to a Hell in a Cell match. So when he walks out, you can see him looking around and he's not taking this lightly. Mm hmm and i also just got to say triple h now his theme music is just exclusively motorhead and heavy mm-hmm. metal and so this was a weird like we said it's a transitional time in his career in his career so he's transitioning from that kind of dx theme music to the mm-hmm. to the metal theme music and deep down i got to say this era of triple h theme music is like one of my favorite favorite theme songs oh yeah yeah
0: prove it sing it
1: the the this this theme song is great. They get the the, the guy who sings the DX theme song. Like the break it down, they get that guy, but they have him sing his own new theme song for Triple H. And so, oh, how's it go? okay? So it goes like he's like he's got that whiny voice. So he's mm-hmm. like one two. Is this on? <laughs> <laughs> Yo, Jimmy, hit it with that Triple H. Triple H. Yeah, <backs> and then he's like, "Yo, uh, oh, he's like, let the music keep playing, Mister Dun." Shout out there now, and then he's like. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, not trying to be like anybody. Tell me who I'm supposed to be. Not trying to be like anybody. Tired of playing make believe. Because I need the blind and no. the blind need the blind. The mad time. The mad time. And he's like, my time is day. The mad time. And so, look, you're laughing, but you got to imagine 12 year old Michael stalking around the playground with this, like, Trying his best to be trying his best to be triple H and then he filling my mouth up with water from the drinking fountain because he and doing the like (laughs) whatever. And then my best friend Reggie would hit the Shawn Michaels like thing behind me. And so we were just these two little pricks like running around the playground being like, my tap, my my (laughs) tap. You don't know what trouble is.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Shit. And I then really the other, wish you could have seen that.
1: The other thing about <laughs> the other thing about the theme song that I really love uh-huh. is it feels like the background music that they use is you know those tubes that when you flip them over it's like uh, 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 uh. that's what it feels like the song the, like <laughs> whoever did the theme song was just like oh I know the perfect instrument to use.
0: <laughs> uh, 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 uh. <laughs>
1: And then Triple H heard that. He's like, fucking perfect, dude. That's yes. the music.
0: <laughs> That's what I want to come in with. Yeah.
1: Print it. I'm going to use this forever. And then he was like, oh, wait, shit, I can use a Motorhead. Yeah, definitely use that. <laughs> definitely do yeah.
0: that. You mean, I feel like he got into his like high position in the company just so that he could allocate funds to get a motorhead instead of using this fucking silly nonsense. Yeah, he's like, like
1: yes. when I,
0: yeah. <laughs> 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 Mate! <laughs> Mate! <laughs> 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 okay, so Hell in a Cell is a real bu- brutal. <laughs> yeah,
1: this is, this is uh, this this is one of the scary, I am not kidding, this is one of the scariest Hell in a Cell
0: Uh, this this match has it all triple h throws cactus jack into some stairs and then he just throws the stairs into cactus jack triple h early on tries to pin cactus jack like three times in a row which is something that i have yet to see and it just seems like there was an eagerness to end this match and end mcfoley's career
1: oh yeah i think i think what is abundantly something i i, d- I didn't notice until i watched it again was mm-hmm. the entire time i think triple h is just like i gotta end this as fast as fucking possible like the the deeper yeah. we get into this the more violent it's gonna get and so i think triple H is just like whatever i need to do to get out of here and then it feels like Cactus Jack is less concerned with the match, and he's mm-hmm. more concerned with getting out of the hell in a cell so he can climb on top of it.
0: Classic hell in a cell stuff.
1: And so he'll he'll beat up, he'll kind of beat up and create some distance. And then instead of continuing to dial in on Triple H, he's like, you know what? Let me see if this door unlocks. And yeah. so you see him go over. And there's just a comical amount of there's like seven padlocks all around the side and him (laughs) just being like, ah, fuck. But then you can see triple H being like, fuck, I got to get some stairs. I got to like fucking kill this guy. And so you see him just really trying to jump on every opportunity. And it really feels like Mick Foley is not at all. Like it, it, Triple H being there is immaterial I think to him. Mm. He's just like I just want to I guess this is this is what I've always noticed about the Cactus Jack character and kind of the nuances between mankind and Cactus Jack and Dude Love is it it feels like there's a, a childlike innocence mm-hmm. to Cactus Jack that mm-hmm. makes the that, that, that goes in stark contrast to what he's doing. So it almost feels like a kid playing and exploring and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so but what he's playing with and exploring is just like, oh, if I throw this guy into thumbtacks, he'll bleed. And when they go What's into that? me, I bleed. That's kind of cool. Well, let's keep playing with that. And that's how it feels. And so it's like there's, there's a childlike innocence to the Cactus Jack character. But what mm. he's doing is so grim and so violent that to me it comes across as very scary. You get into <laughs> horror movie villains where it also feels like uh. there's an innocence to what they're doing. They're like, oh, I'm just playing. But what they're playing with is is razor wire, <laughs> you know?
0: Do you think that there is like a, a thorough line in – Uh, mick foley's characters
1: i've always kind of looked at it as each one is a facet of Mm -hmm. the mick foley character so again it's like uh different personality like the movie split or something like that where it's like oh i I, I, like the the dude love character is his view of being a charismatic charismatic ladies man sex appeal guy like sean michaels yeah just a sexy boy and then i think mankind is this sort of there's a real resentment towards people in the world. And so I think sometimes it'll make it, it, mankind allowed him to be like, oh, this is everyone's perception of me is that I'm a mm. freak and that I'm a, an outcast. And so when you listen to mankind, there's always this sort of bitterness towards the world. Like the 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 movie, The Joker with Joaquin Phoenix. There's a real like never heard of it. Yeah, I just, it's just like a, this real this real indie movie you should check out called The Joker. Uh, <laughs> but no, there's just this like real, it, it, it just feels bad and angry. And then Cactus Jack is just sort of, I think, a, a, it feels like a creature of pure id, where he's just like, oh, mm. all I want to do is hurt people and get hurt and explore what that feels like and have fun. <laughs> and so I do feel like Cactus Jack in his own, sadistic way is a very playful character mm. which makes it scary for me to watch when I watch it where you're just like I don't even know if this guy cares that a match is happening right now I think he just likes seeing what happened like running these violent experiments on people of just like hmm I wonder what happens if I uh, run Triple H's face across this, <laughs> this steel okay i like hmm, that's cool that's kind of cool that guess feels what good.
0: Cactus Jack it causes blood to come out of his yeah. face
1: Yeah, which is most of his his experiments end in blood, but he keeps running them nevertheless.
0: (laughs) Right. And outside of grating Triple H's face onto the steel cage walls, he also wants to return the favor of throwing the stairs at Triple H. But he's unsuccessful in hitting Triple H with the stairs, but he is successful in breaking a hole into the side of the cage. And so now they're outside of the Hell in the Cell. It's all kinds of Cactus Jack's playground chaos, because that's what the, the announcers are calling it. Whenever Cactus Jack is out of the ring, it's his turf, it's his playground, et cetera. So he's pile driving Triple H on the announce table, and he starts climbing up the cage wall and we think we're about to see him make good on that threatening promise that he made but stephanie foils the plan and she pulls him off and there's a moment where cactus jack kind of like makes like goes forward to stephanie i was just like uh-oh out of all of the personas that mick foley has cactus jack should not be the one that's approaching stephanie mcmahon right now
1: if anything it should be Dude love
0: it should always be Dude love <laughs> But instead of hurting Stephanie McMahon, Cactus Jack kind of tucks into a corner and he pulls out the two by four wrapped in barbed wire. But this time it has a cutie little strap on the bottom of it. So Triple H sees that the barbed wire is out again and he starts climbing up the side of the cage. And because Cactus Jack made it, a little purse. He was. He's able to climb up the cage with the uh with the I don't know barbed wire bat. I guess we could call it
1: the barbed wire two five two by four purse. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I also think just going back to that promo where Sammy did an excellent Triple H impression. That yes, was I part did. of it. He was <laughs> like, "You are not allowed to bring this to the no ring." Toys. So him him pulling the two by four. I think Triple H is like fuck this and the only place he can escape is up the fucking cage
0: right because there's yeah there's nowhere else to escape so it's just like oh yeah cactus jack can't climb with that two by four in his hand yes he can but in in classic cactus jack bringing out a massive weapon style the two by four ends up being used on him on his head specifically so right at he right as he's Getting to the top of it. Triple H gets the barbed wire 2 by 4 and slams on his head, and Cactus Jack falls off of the side of the cage. And while he's down on the ground, you can see his frustration building to the point where he's now trying to throw folded chairs up onto the roof of hell in a cell, and he's not succeeding. And so not only is he throwing these chairs up, but they are flying down and he's not alone in that area. So, um Could you JR, imagine being
1: in the audience and then it just starts raining chairs?
0: I think I would leave. I'm like this is this is it. Like my fight or flight response would would definitely click in and I would flight for sure. So, after Cactus Jack gives up on the chairs, he climbs up to join Triple H on the roof of the cage and then it turns into what I f- I kind of feel like the wrestlers, or, or they were just trying to slam each other hard enough to make the ceiling fall out as we've seen previously. But it doesn't really happen right away. In fact, what does happen is Cactus Jack whips out a lighter and then lights the fucking barbed wire 2x4 on fire and then he swings it at Triple H. And at this point, it's like we're what 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 else could happen, and how could you how could you hurt triple h with this thing more than just swinging at him but cactus Jack is an innovator, so he puts the on fire two by four wrapped in barbed wire on the ground and he gets ready to pile drive triple h onto it
1: and if you've never seen that move before basically Mm -hmm. he's putting triple h's head between his legs and he's just gonna sit and fall down and slam triple h's head directly onto flaming barbed wire
0: (laughs) and probably be successful in actually breaking through the roof of the hell in a cell
1: so he's gonna hit and fall 20 feet
0: (laughs) yes that that is the hope but unfortunately cactus jack is the one that ends up being slammed. So Triple H backdrops Cactus Jack down onto the ceiling and then he goes through the ceiling into the ring and a little bit through the ring. He breaks the damn ring and it like sinks in pretty hard. And after that, like Cactus Jack isn't moving at all. Uh, Triple H m- makes his way down to the ring.
1: Yeah, he looks dead.
0: He, I'm pretty sure he dead. There's no, like, I can't, like, I feel like Mick Foley has died several times just in this feud alone. Are you kidding me? With that Absolutely. blue steel door on his head? He's dead. So Triple H makes his way to Cactus Jack's dead body. He kicks his arm and he moves. He's he's alive.
1: It is it is like a horror movie where it's like, did, did I kill Jason Voorhees? And then you go <laughs> up and you kind of kick his hand and then Mick Foley's like, uh, and you're just like, uh, like it is. It, it is a horror movie for Triple H at that point.
0: It is, and Triple H's. I feel like f- fear reaction is pedigree. So Triple H pedigrees, Cactus Jack, straight to hell, and he wins the match, ending Mick Foley's fifteen year career.
1: And that's the end of Mick Foley until at least until WrestleMania 2000. <laughs> So Sammy, now that we've gone through that whole gauntlet, like what what got under your skin? What made you so obsessed with this feud?
0: Gosh, I I still do, I still don't know. I have no idea. Is it because I love Triple H? Yes. Is it because I love Mick Foley? Yes. Is it because I love that Triple H went from pants to trunks? Yes. <laughs>
1: pants to trunks that was a kid that was a huge evolution for him
0: (laughs) huge and we love it we love it yeah i don't know what is there anything that makes you i don't know fond or excited when you hear that wrestlers are gonna face each other in a hell in a cell
1: i think at this point now Mm. because hell in a cell is so popular that it's become its own yearly event where they're, they'll they do it every year and they'll have five people fight in Hell in a Cell because, you know, they build the cage and then they have, you know, five different matches that they run inside of it. And it makes sense in business. And so I think a lot of times the feud doesn't match the stipulate, the match stipulation always. Mm. And so... When we whenever you see it done right, like with this Mick Foley Triple H feud with the Sasha Bailey feud, the stakes were so high that it almost feels like the cage itself becomes a metaphor mm. for how angry these people are at each other. Like you can just see it. You can see the huge cage. You can see them getting slammed inside of it. And to me, it it almost feels like it's it's working on a metaphoric level for like, oh, they can't. Express how they feel, how much hatred they have anymore, and so you you see you see a visual representation of that anger when you see the cell. And so when it's done right, especially in the early days when they were still kind of figuring it out, right? Because this two thousand match is three years removed from the first Hell in a Cell match ever, Mm -hmm. so they were brand new at this point. And so at that point, they were trying to justify a way to get there. and they just so happened to have two people who, I think, in a lot of way, like we talked in the in the rock episode that the rocks feud with Stone Cold Steve Austin in a lot of ways, they helped make each other's career. And I truly believe that this is sort of a one a, one b. So while that storyline was happening, over here, the triple H, mankind storyline was happening and these guys also helped make each other's career i think the 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 rock and the stone cold feud was a lot glossier a lot more palatable because i think stone cold and the rock are just a lot more charming charismatic performers whereas triple h and mick foley both have these hard edges to them (laughs) you're you were just watching this like what these guys are doing are really intense and It's not it's not charming and elegant like what these popular guys are doing over here. Like these guys are backyard scrapping, stabbing each other with wooden pallets and throwing (laughs) each other off cages and doing stuff with fire. And so in that way, it's a much grittier feud that Mm. that is just, again, so nostalgic for me just to see it happen. Because, again, mankind would lose all the time, but it almost made it almost made people love him even more that he was able to just take so much punishment. And still keep trying. It was it was it was incredible to watch, and so this was so fun and so nostalgic for me. So that was Wrestling Academy episode seven point five. And uh, Sammy, do you have any final thoughts before you get us out of here?
0: Uh, well, I guess one final thought question is: Do you want me to do the outro in the Triple H voice? Please say yes. I
1: think let's just you know with. You know, we've been getting, we're so pressed for time. We better just, we better just do it normal and get out of here, huh?
0: <sighs> Fine. All right. Thank you for listening to Wrestling Academy, hosted, produced, edited by Michael Classic and Sammy Junio. Follow on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube at Wrestling Academy Pod. Send us an email at WrestlingAcademyPod at com. Follow wherever you get your <sighs> podcasts, but check out Spotify where we have questions and Q&As or polls for every episode. Triple H, you son of a bitch. You son of a bitch. (laughs) You're over. (laughs) Episode over. Check out our website at wrestlingacademy.university. Yes, that is our real URL because we commit to the bit. Stay tuned next week. We're recovering Royal Rumble. Just in time for this year's Royal Rumble. Class is dismissed. Oh, shit. Sammy turned heel on me and turned into (laughs) Triple H.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But tune in next week. Just in time for the Royal Rumble. We're going to talk about the Royal Rumble. In depth. So, if you've ever wanted to know more, this will be the perfect place to start. But until then, classes dismissed. dismissed.